Are we heading into a new period of time that we could call the Dark Ages? I'm going to talk about that and more on today's version of Truth to Ponder. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. This is Jim Calhoun sitting in for Bob Bierman today. And I really do appreciate you tuning in. And I appreciate Bob Bierman allowing me to speak to his great audience. And I really enjoy doing my Wednesdays. And I hope that it's giving Bob ample time to catch up on a few projects and possibly maybe even catch up on some rest as he's still recovering from quite a health scare. And I know from experience that it takes quite a while to recover. And the older you get, the longer it takes. And you kind of know the drill, I'm sure. But I'm just very happy I'm able to help out Bob Bierman. I would have to say that when people contact me, as far as my show or my hosting Truth to Ponder, it seems like that one of the main comments I get is that people seem to like to hear about my experiences out here on the ranch. They kind of like to hear the stories that I tell. And, and so for those that like to hear about my escapades out here on the ranch, I'll tell you about the last day or so. I harvest hay in the summer, and it's a really hard job to do. And most people harvest hay from around the fourth week of May till about September 15th. That pretty well covers most of the season. Well, this year, we've had so much rain, everyone's behind. And since we've had a lot of rain, we have a lot of hay. And I pick up all my little bales by hand. It's been 100 degrees here for the last several days, and we've had a hot summer. And I can't go out and risk my health lifting hay in the heat. And so I'm limited to my hours that I get a chance to go out and actually pick my hay up. And I'm up harvesting hay in a pasture. It's not even a field that's never, ever had its hay harvested. In other words, it's virgin prairie. And it's exactly as it was when the bison were roaming through here for all those centuries. And so I'm getting to do something that my great-grandparents got to do, and that's tame some land. And I have about 50 acres I'm taming, and maybe it's taming me. I don't know. It's a lot of hard work. And there's bumblebees in there and all sorts of things, so I'm glad to see some bumblebees. But I'm not very happy about the stings, but that's another story. But I'm harvesting this hay with antique equipment. My tractor's a 1944 model, the mower's a 1948, my baler's a 1947. So I say hooray for the 1940s, and I jump on the tractor and just go hit it. Well, yesterday I spent 11 straight hours in the heat. I only took about 15 minutes break all day. And I ended up baling about 800 bales. But I'm going to tell you, those are the 800 hardest bales I've ever baled in my life. And the ground is rough enough that on my old baler, instead of having teeth that pick up the hay, it's got a drag chain. And it works just fine when the drag chain isn't hitting large bumps. And this field is full of large bumps. And so several times it's tore my drive chain right out of the baler. And that takes about a half hour to an hour to get that fixed. And as I left the field last night, the chain was laying on the ground. And so after I get done recording this episode of Truth to Ponder, I go back up into the hills and I try to finish that really hard field that is waiting for me in 100 degree heat. So anyway, that's what I've been doing. 
But I will have to say this. That's a 76-year-old Baylor. It's never missed a season. And that old Baylor's out there fighting like George Foreman when he fought Michael Moore for the title. That Baylor just keeps on a swinging. And I don't think I would take modern machinery out here in this field and risk tearing it up because it's, t it's tough. Now, while I was out in this hayfield with my 1940s era equipment, I had the pleasure of watching a 1940s or earlier era aircraft fly overhead almost all day long giving joy rides. The field is about four miles away from an airport that's very historic as far as the history of aviation in North America is concerned. And to this day, it's a place where lots of planes land and refuel. Well, someone brought a restored Ford Trimotor, which was one of the first successful airliners ever built, and still to this day one of the safest aircraft ever to fly. And very few people have had the opportunity to watch a Ford Trimotor in action. And while I was out there on my 1944 International Farmall, I was watching an aircraft from that same era flying overhead almost all day long. And so that kind of put me in my own little world that day, kind of like being in a time machine. Well, enough about me. I want to get in on today's topic. Have we entered the new Dark Ages? Well, my opinion is yes, we have. And I've been saying for a long time that we entered into a new Dark Ages, at least socially. Sometime in the 20th century, I don't know if it was early 20th century, I don't know if it was when Woodrow Wilson was president, I don't know if it was World War I, don't know if it was the Depression, World War II, the assassination of JFK, I don't know what put us into this new Dark Ages. But since the Dark Ages seem to be worldwide, I would tend to think that possibly the world economic condition in the 1930s coupled with World War II, was probably what started the New Dark Ages. And this is just my opinion. And you might say, well, Jim, the 1950s were pretty prosperous, and the 1960s, other than the Vietnam War, that wasn't horrible. Things didn't start going downhill, economically anyway, till Jimmy Carter became president. But it seems like we've had an unbroken string of events that eventually come back and push us farther over the cliff. Events like JFK getting assassinated, events like Richard Nixon opening up China, and that's what really killed all of our jobs here in the United States, the signing of NAFTA, when Ronald Reagan signed the legislation that protected Big Pharma. There's an awful lot of small things that seemed small at the time that have come back to bite we the people. And it seems like that with this COVID, all these COVID mandates and all these countries walking in lockstep, forcing their people to lock down and shut down all the family-owned businesses and letting the corporations just run amok and get bigger and richer while we, the people, get poorer. There's an awful lot of things that are happening every day that keep pushing us over that edge. Matter of fact, I think we're well over the edge. I think we're in free fall. But again, that's just my opinion. And I will get back on the economic part of this later. I want to really focus on the social aspects of this new Dark Ages. 
They've taken God out of the schools. The people have left the churches, for the most part. I would imagine that there are the largest number, population-wise, of unbaptized people that we've ever had, possibly worldwide. And it seems like a lot of people that do attend church, again, it's my opinion, but they're not being fed. There's an awful lot of church people that really don't understand the Bible at all. And I'm not claiming to be an expert on the Bible, because I'm not. But I do know that we have an awful lot of teachings and an awful lot of churches that just do not line up biblically with what the Bible says. And you have people that will stand steadfast with their man-made doctrines, and they have no clue about what God says about certain things. It's like the churches that have gone woke, and they openly promote transgenderism and homosexuality. Now, the Bible says that's an abomination, but you won't hear those words in those churches. That's just a small example, because there's an awful lot of prosperity messages and things going on in churches that, frankly, don't have anything to do with your salvation. You have people that are joining churches to get the prosperity that they're being told they're going to have, or you have people attending church like it's a country club. And so we have that decay that's happened during the last hundred years. And what about music? It used to be music was something that refreshed your soul, uplifted your spirits. You could kind of take a music bath, so to speak. You could dive into music and just relax and listen to the music. And whether you needed to be stimulated or soothed or inspired, music had those abilities. And it's not that it's just I don't care for modern music. It's not a simple taste issue. It's the fact that modern music doesn't really have anything in it that will inspire or soothe or things that music has traditionally been used for by mankind. It seems like that music is now political or commercial or trying to be socially disruptive, socially indoctrinating. It seems like that we have a whole bunch of things happening with our music that is taking it the wrong direction. You could play the worst rap music that you've ever heard that has the worst message, whether it be pro-crime or anti-woman or whatever the message is of that rap song, and you could play the finest work of Bach or Beethoven to the same people. And I would say that it would be close to unanimous that our young people who have been indoctrinated into this new music would choose that rap and call that real music and say that the Bach and Beethoven, they didn't understand it, they don't care for it. Which I think leads me to my point. The new music is really not music. And the people that listen to it, they get addicted to listening to, I hate to call it just noise because it has to have some merit, but for the sake of this argument, I'm going to call it noise. And there's lots of people that wouldn't know real music if they heard it. They just wouldn't, they wouldn't understand it. They wouldn't like it. And a great analogy is that I fed my grandkids real macaroni and cheese. I put four different kinds of cheeses in it. I I put some real butter in it, 
and it was nice and creamy and cheesy and they didn't like it because it didn't come out of a box and have powder on it. They took one bite of my real macaroni and cheese and said, Oh, God, what's this? I said, It's macaroni and cheese. Ugh. I've never tasted anything like this before. And they wouldn't eat it, which was really disgusting because I really did a good job making that macaroni and cheese. I guess there was more for me, but these kids were so indoctrinated into it had to be out of a box with powder on it before it was real. And it seems like we have that all the way through society, whether it be music or church going or what have you, the politics. Now, we've always had corrupt and evil politicians, but they've always been drummed out eventually. They've been disgraced and they've been run out of town. But now it seems like our politicians are openly happy to explain to everyone about their corruption and how successful they are at it and that they're getting away with it. They're just flaunting it. Like illegitimate Joe Biden, our child-molesting man that occupies the office of President of the United States, I imagine most of you have heard or seen the video where Joe Biden brags about getting this prosecutor fired in Ukraine. And a little side note here, heading fired in Ukraine because they were doing investigating on Hunter Biden in Ukraine. And we keep sending all of these billions of dollars to Ukraine. Do you suppose they're trying to cover up a whole lot of crimes they committed in Ukraine? These people don't care about the Ukrainian people. But with this Zelensky, I think they have quite a money laundering organization going on, possibly child trafficking. There's an awful lot of things happening in Ukraine that our politicians want to hide, cover up, keep in the dark. And I have a feeling that Russia is gaining all sorts of information about all the crimes that our government has committed as far as their money laundering and what the Biden crime family has done in Ukraine. It's not too hard to fill in the blanks when you're thinking about why we're sending so much money to Ukraine. It's not for the Ukrainians, that's for sure. And I think that eventually Russia will present the evidence that they have gathered. And of course, it will be called disinformation. But at this point, even if it's half disinformation, it's going to be ugly about our politicians. And the fact that they're sending taxpayer money over there and not taking care of the inner cities and all of the things that need to be taken care of, that we're squandering the money and sending it overseas just to cover their backside is unforgivable. But that's, but that's part of the modern way of doing business as far as Washington is concerned. And so when did we slip into this dark ages in politics? Years ago, you had the Teapot Dome scandal. You've had, you've had scandals all the way through government ever since governments have been formed. But when did it become normal to be a corrupt politician and proud of it? And they never seemed to be called to task for it. They never seemed to have to pay for their crimes. Well, my opinion is that I think that they don't have to worry about being voted out if they're the ones counting the votes. And so I think that a corrupt politician could run for office and get zero votes. 
not even vote for himself, but still be claimed the winner just by doing manipulations of numbers. I know people get a little upset with me at times because I say that your vote doesn't count, but I've come to that conclusion that they're not counting the votes. They're not counting them correctly. There's just way too many things that have happened with, like the Gavin Newsom recall and the recall they had against that little dictator up in Canada, Trudeau, and, of course, Joe Biden. Are you kidding me? More votes than anyone in history? Joe Biden? Nah, not a chance. No way. And this whole January 6th debacle, I've come to the conclusion that it was all staged, that a lot of people got overzealous and followed the lead of people who were instigating. And I think some of the people instigating were from the police themselves and also FBI and CIA. I think we had an awful lot of instigators, a lot of inside people doing their best to try to set up we the people. That's why they're not releasing the videotapes that they have of that day's events. And so we're sitting here in the world right now, looking out, trying to make sense of any of it, and we see that our music is now decayed to the point it's not recognizable as music. We see that our government has decayed so far that it's not the same United States government that it was several years back. Nothing's the same as what it was, and nothing is better. Have you noticed that? In the 1980s, it was a good thing to be an entrepreneur and try to go out and do some wildcat well drilling and maybe hit oil or invest in a small business. And right now, you don't hear anything about entrepreneurs. They don't like entrepreneurs. They're trying to get all of the control in the hands of their chosen corporation. And that's what they're doing. They're closing down all the stores they can. And so they're chosen either online business or physical box store, whatever corporation that that's part of the oligarchy. Well, they're going to be fine. But the small businesses are in big trouble. And I'm really not sure that this is true. But if it is true, it should open everyone's eyes. And I am going to mention it because I don't have any reason to believe it's not true, but I just haven't been able to verify it. But I have heard that over 850,000, yeah, 850,000 businesses in Germany this year have filed for bankruptcy. Could that even be possible? I don't know, but I think that we need to look into that and we need to verify whether that's true or not. And if it is true, then it's happening worldwide. They're trying to get rid of all the small businesses, and that includes the small farms. In the United States, we used to have so many farms that the small towns were thriving. Every small town had everything you could possibly need at that time in history. You could go buy a tractor in a small town or a car or a pickup truck. You could buy your groceries and mail your letters and do your banking. You had one or two dry goods stores, maybe a general store or two. You had a library. Of course, you had your school system. Most small towns had a butcher shop and a dairy and a bakery. 
and just the things that you would need for your day-to-day existence, maybe a business supply company or a janitorial company, because every small town was full of farm families, and these small farms had lots of kids. And if they were a medium-sized farm, they had a hired man, and generally the hired man was married with children. And so you might have one farm where the farmer had, let's say, five children of his own, and his hired man had three, you would have four parents and eight children on that farm. That was normal. And so every 320 acres or so, you had at least one family. And so the small towns could thrive because there were a lot of people in the county. Well, they mechanized everything and they made everything bigger and And hired men are hard to find. Good ones are almost impossible to find. And regulations and things have been changed to the point where it's really hard to hire anyone to come out. Like with me, I would love to hire two or three people to help me try to get caught up. But I can't afford to hire anyone and I can't afford the insurance. And, you know, it's just impossible for me. And I know that I'm not alone in that. But I am going somewhere with this. There used to be a vibrant subculture of the hired men and their families. There used to be a vibrant culture of the landowners. And, of course, you had an implement dealer in almost every community because all of these farmers had to have implements. And, of course, mechanics and all sorts of support people. But right now, what they're doing with agriculture, which I do understand... But I do have to put in my two cents worth because I see that it's heading 90 miles an hour down a dead-end street. And the brakes need to be put on really quick or we're going to see a major disaster within the farming and ranching industry. It's just going to be shattered. But there again, I think that the farming and ranching industry in the United States is being set up to crumble and fall so these evil people... The satanic people can quote-unquote build back better. And so they have to destroy it first. And right now, almost every crop that's planted in the United States is genetically altered. And yes, that's a good thing as far as feeding the world, because each farmer is actually feeding a lot more people with genetically altered plants and vegetables and so forth. And so GMO does have a good side to it. But the longer it's out there, the more concern is that it's causing cancer and all sorts of different things happening to the environment and your health. The GMO actually isn't a good thing. In the long run, it's a horrible thing. In the short term, it's a great thing. And so every farm in the United States has changed their business practice. And they've changed their machinery. They've changed everything about their operation to fit the GMO foods. Their yields are higher, so they have to have bigger, heavier equipment that are high capacity, and those cost an awful lot of money. And of course, they're GPS guided, and there's a lot of automation where they can have automation. And so where the one guy used to have one or two hired men, he no longer needs a hired man at all. And he can farm five or six farms And remember those numbers I was talking about? Each farm would have anywhere between 4 and 12 people. And now you have one guy farming 5 or 6 farms, let's say 5 farms, 
And let's say he's replacing five people for a farm. That's why the small towns are drying up. There just isn't anyone to buy anything. But what's happening is a lot of the smaller farms cannot afford to buy the new machinery. And so what they're doing is they're allowing their neighbors that do have the new machinery just to farm their property for them, either on a share basis or they're just renting the ground from them. And so you have massive amounts of acres that have no machinery that's dedicated to those acres because you have people coming in and custom farming their ground. And right now, worldwide, country after country is outlawing genetically altered food. Mexico just outlawed GMO corn. I don't know if they did any more genetically altered food that they've outlawed, but I know they've outlawed the corn. Now our Secretary of Agriculture has went down to Mexico to try to talk them out of it, but they won't. These governments are seeing how sick their people are getting because of all the genetically altered grain that's in their diet. And Russia has outlawed everything GMO. And a lot of the countries in Europe have outlawed everything GMO. And you might say, well, it doesn't matter what Russia does because we don't sell to Russia anyway. We don't sell grain there. Normally we don't, and with the sanctions that are put on there to supposedly hurt Russia, but they're actually hurting the people that are putting the sanctions on. But that's another story. But the mere fact that Russia has outlawed genetically altered grains, and all these other countries around the world, including our neighbor, Mexico, guess what? If they outlaw the GMO products, they can't import them. Russia has outlawed them, so the farmers can't plant them. Therefore, the countries of the world are going to have to buy from Russia or starve. Russia was very smart by outlawing the GMO products because Russia understands the pitfalls of genetically altered grains in their diet. And so they're way ahead of the curve. And so the American farmer has been pushed into GMO. And I'm going to tell you right now, if the American farmers next year had to go back to conventional hybrids and open pollinated corns and other grains, well, first of all, the world would go hungry because we wouldn't produce near as much. But number two, I don't think the yields would be high enough to cover the operating expenses that are now built into this new machinery that the farmers have to have. And so I think the perfect storm to break the American farm is to, first of all, get rid of all the old machinery that the family farms have, get fewer people out working the land with bigger equipment, and then all of a sudden pull the rug out from under them that you can't export what they're growing. And so what they're growing is basically worthless. And now you have all the small farms that have been basically neutered, for lack of a better word, and the big operations that actually could come in and take care of the land, well, they're going to be broke because they can't sell their product. Just like in Hawaii, when the fire swept through that part of Hawaii, you have people going in and offering 30 cents on the dollar for the land that's there. Well, that's going to happen to the farmland. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be corporate-controlled or government-controlled, and our small towns will shrivel up and really die. 
They're already almost dead, but this will finish them off. And it'll finish off the family farms and all of the goods and services that family farms need. And so you're going to have an awful lot of small-time repairmen and grocery stores and anybody that's still open in the small town. They're, they're done. And so we have that coming down the road, too. So we've entered the dark ages in farming. Even though we're producing a whole lot of grain and we can have bumper crops, but if the world is outlawing what we grow, then what we grow is worthless. And the millions of dollars that's spent to grow these crops, they have to be reimbursed. And all of the operating loans that are covered by the banks, you imagine how many small banks and small communities will be bankrupt if some corrupt politician signs an executive order banning GMO foods. Now I'm against GMO and I don't do GMO whatsoever because I see ultimately it's a dead end. It might be a year from now, it might be 20 years from now, but it's going to happen. And so even when we look at things that we think are very stable, like the American farms, we have to understand that they're being set up just like the protesters on January 6th were set up. Set up for a big fall so these corrupt people can build back better. I do appreciate you listening to Truth to Ponder, and I would ask that you donate to Truth to Ponder, and that's very easy to do. All you have to do is go to the website, which is truth, the number two, ponder.com, and click on the support tab, and then you can donate through Give, Send, Go. But if you'd like to send it old school, by mail, you can send a check or a money order. You'd write the check out to Ancient Word Radio. You would mail to Truth to Ponder, P.O. Box 510, P.O. Box 510, Chill Howie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chill Howie, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. And I'll be right back and pick up where I left off. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Popeye's Mistake. Coming up. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. When I was a kid, I used to watch Popeye. It was a weird thing. A one-eyed smoking sailor with a speech impediment messed up a lot of kids. We wanted to grow up like that, but Popeye never got awards for screenplay. And if you saw one Popeye, you pretty much knew the basic plot. He gets beat up and beat up until finally he eats his can of spinach and then he beats up everybody else and messed us up. And you have to wonder, why did he always eat his spinach at the finish? Why did he wait until he was all beaten up? What good then? Doesn't it make more sense to eat your spinach at the beginning, like for breakfast or when you're getting ready for a fight? But no, he wouldn't. He'd wait until he's so beat up he could barely get that can. Well, there was always a point where Popeye would eat the spinach, beat him up, and you're saying, wait a minute. The point is, as believers, we make the same mistake. We wait until we're in the mess before we start really getting close to God or taking things to the steps to fix things in our life. We wait until we're in the middle of the warfare to decide what to do to fight. We live defensively. But you know, champions don't live that way. Successful fighters never do that. What do they do? They don't wait for the fight to be in the middle of the fight to figure out how to fight. They train for the battle. They prepare. And that's what you have to do. God didn't call us to live defensively, but offensively. That's the only way you can win, to be on the march. The key is don't wait to be tempted to try to fight temptation 
temptation. Train yourself beforehand to fight temptation. Don't wait to have your back against the wall to fight the enemy. Live so your back is never against the wall. Don't wait till you're fallen to get up. Prepare beforehand so you don't have to fall. Prepare now. Put on the full armor. Prepare for that temptation and you'll be far more victorious. You won't end up all beaten up like Popeye. <laughs> Want more? Ask for When the Saints on CD. When the Saints. Now, the free gift for you. From the sands of Judea to the, to the wings of the cherubim, the writings of the rabbis, the hidden writings that prove Jesus as Messiah. It's amazing, awesome, long hidden mystery. The mystery of the temple doors on CD. You'll love it. And Sapphire is guaranteed to bless your socks off. How do you get this free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. To get your free gifts, just call now. 1-800-YESHUA1. That's 1-800-YESHUA1. Y-E-S-H-U-A-1 for your free gifts. I invite you to minister with me. Together bringing salvation to God's ancient people, Israel. God promises he will bless those who bless Israel. And to the unreached peoples of five continents, it's amazing. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Let's write to the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. That's the nice Jewish boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying, Be strong, my friend. Shalom Alechem in Messiah. Sar Chaim, the Prince of Life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Welcome to the second half of Truth to Ponder. This is Jim Calhoun sitting in today for Bob Bierman. And Bob will be back tomorrow with another great episode of Truth to Ponder. Well, I've been discussing some of the symptoms and signs that I see that We've entered into a new dark ages. I'm going to get back onto the agriculture just for another little bit here. Then I'm going to move on to other signs and symptoms that we're in a new dark age. But you do realize that they're trying to get rid of anyone that produces beef or lamb or pork. I even imagine they want to get rid of the turkeys and the chickens and anything that would be real meat is under assault right now. And again, all it would take is some bad legislation or an executive order, and it's going to break an awful lot of people. Just like they've made situations to where only a few people are actually farming the land as opposed to lots of families doing small farms, you have sometimes large organizations, maybe they're family organizations, family corporations, but you have one entity that's farming a whole lot more acres than used to be. Well, about 50 years ago, if you cross the United States, you would find in every farming community at least one person, if not several, that fed out cattle or hogs or sheep or something for slaughter. And you had dozens of small feedlots that fed anywhere between 50 and two or 300 cattle at a time or hogs or whatever they're feeding. And you had slaughterhouses in almost every community to where they could process the meat. And during that same period of time, you could go to a farm and buy farm fresh milk and do an awful lot of things you can't do anymore. And the dairy associations have come in and their regulations have changed and the dairy associations now will not buy your milk if they catch you selling to your neighbor. The contracts are ironclad and in such an intense operation as a dairy, you can't afford even one little hiccup. Things have got to go really smooth or you're in trouble. And it used to be you could go buy some cream or buy some milk, but now a dairy will turn you away and say, nope, 
we can't sell it to you. And of course, they're citing all sorts of health reasons and things. But having that small side business of selling to your friends, families, and neighbors allowed people to have small dairies of several cows to a 40, 50, maybe 100 cows. And you had dairies all over the United States. As a matter of fact, the recording studio that I'm recording in was used as a dairy barn by my grandparents back in the 1930s. And the way they were able to keep this family farm going in the 1930s is that my grandparents milked about 40 cows. Then they would separate it and bottle it. And then they would deliver it in town with a horse and wagon. And they had steady customers. They would deliver the milk and pick up the empty bottles. And my grandma worked really hard washing those bottles and bottling the milk and separating the cream. And all of that was done with a hand crank. They milked by hand, and then when they separated the milk, the old separator, you had to crank it by hand. And I still have that separator, and I have all the parts to it, and I have some of the equipment that they have as far as the dairy they had here. But you can't do that anymore. That's against the law. And so all the milk has to go through proper channels, and it has to be homogenized and pasteurized and whatever else they have to do to the milk. And of course, they claim health reasons, and I would imagine that the modern way of handling milk is safer as far as not getting any bacteria, but I don't think there ever was any real problem with the old system. I think that was just something that they had to control, and they're coming in and doing that with everything. And all of the small feedlots are all closed and gone. The small butcher shops and the small packing companies are all closed and gone. And the big box stores have closed down a lot of the mom-and-pop's grocery stores that their meat department is what kept them going. And so you have a general decay in all of farming and ranching and all the processing of food that has been changed by Washington intervening. And I know times change and different things march on and improve, but I really don't think things have improved. I think time has marched on and things have changed, but. Honestly, do you think things are better now than what they were 50 years ago? Well, I don't. I can't name anything that's better now except maybe possibly our communications are better. But but you have the government storing all this information about you in a cloud. And any email that you might send, they can retrieve. And I've heard the same thing about cell phones, that they can be listening in on cell phones and when I say they listen, I'm talking about artificial intelligence is listening. And so if you would get on the phone and be talking about things that are totally illegal to do and maybe concern national security, well, you might get a visit then because then someone physically will listen to what you're saying or what you're writing or what have you. So 50 years ago, we didn't have a cell phone. We had to go to a landline to make a phone call, but we didn't have anyone listening in. And also, you didn't have anyone bothering you 24 hours a day because you have a phone with you. I see people walking around with headsets. They have to be just tied to the world so they can communicate with anyone at any time all day long. And that can't be very good for your daily productivity unless that's your business is talking. But to me, that would be just horribly distracting. And so I frustrate lots of people because I don't carry a cell phone. First of all, I would lose the cell phone or run over it 
or drop it in a bucket of water. Me and cell phones just don't get along. And so I'm extremely hard to get a hold of by phone. And I stopped at the bank today to do some banking. And the bank did something that they said that they've never done before. And I hope they'd never done it before, and I hope they never do it again. I deposited a fairly large check because I sold some hay. Well, the check never cleared the other bank because it didn't have a chance to. My bank lost the check I took in. And so what they want me to do is go to the person that wrote me the check and have him write me another one. Because they say, well, it's somewhere here in the building, but no one can find it. Has that ever happened to you? Our banking system has fallen apart. You have some of the large banks that are refusing to allow people to use their charge card or their debit card to pay for certain things that the bank deems as undesirable, whether that being buying something or sending in a donation or what have you. If the bank doesn't believe in what you're doing, let's say purchasing a gun, well, they will deny payment. As far as I'm concerned, that's the bank stealing your money. And so we have an awful lot of things happening in our banking system that isn't good. And I made a little stink about it. I said, well, did that check show up in my account? They said, no, no, we, we can't put it on your account. I said, well, why? I brought it in. They said, well, it'll eventually go on your account, but it can't be right now till we get the other check. And I said, so what you're telling me is I'm out this whole big hay sale, which that ain't going to happen. And the teller said, oh, no, we'll, we'll make sure it's right. Well, I'm still not very happy about that because how do you lose a check in a bank? Now, I advocate using small hometown banks. And I have to disclose this is a small hometown bank. But I've known the owners of this bank for over 50 years. Matter of fact, when I was a small child, the owner of the bank's wife was my babysitter. So we go back an awful long ways. So I don't think they're going to harm me in any way. But just the mere fact that this happened is just odd. It's just another symptom of incompetence and just what we're seeing all over the world. And as far as socially, again, it seems like we have more people out there that are interested in getting another tattoo than they are doing something that's actually going to get them ahead in life. And I've never seen so many feminized men in my life. I don't see hardly any man with any masculinity that's under the age of 30. But I do see an awful lot of what I would call juvenile delinquents that clear up into their late 30s like they've never grown up. All they care about is how much beer they can drink or how much trouble they can cause. And I think that's a symptom of this trophy culture where you get a trophy for participating or, you know, you don't have to prove your merit. You don't have to compete. And I also think it's a symptom of the mere fact that I think we have a whole generation or two generations now that deep down, if you would question them about it, I think that they feel hopeless. And I think that's another part of the Build Back Better is to take these generations of young children and grow them up to be young adults with no hope and make it to where if they have their football game on TV and their beer in their hand or their drugs that they do, if they have their video game, well, that's all they need. And then I see all these young women that 
Frankly, I don't understand. I see so many young women who have let themselves go that years ago, most girls and young women would dress nice. Whether they were considered pretty or not, they dressed well, they were clean, they wanted to be respectable. And then you had the girls that were considered pretty that tried to dress pretty, and that was normal. That was our culture. Now I see young women who are 100 pounds overweight, and they wear their pajamas all day, and they have tattoos on their neck or on their cheek or on their forehead or anywhere else on their body. And even if it's 5 o'clock in the afternoon, they always look like they just got out of bed. And I see hundreds of them. And I just have to shake my head and say, what happened? What happened to that spirit of wanting to be the best you can be? And that's why the young women would dress up nice. They were just trying to be the best they could be. That was just an outward sign of them trying to be the best they could be. And the young men that always tried to look masculine and and would try to conduct themselves as these, I'm not going to say a macho man, but they tried to conduct themselves like they were a real man. I don't see that either. And why I call this a dark age is that I don't see anything good coming out of anything I'm seeing. I honestly think the only thing we can rely on is our relationship with Almighty God. I think it's going to take an intervention of God to turn all of this around. And I don't know whether it's going to be turned around for this world or if it's ultimately going to be turned around by the kingdom of God being established on earth, which is what I hope happens. I hope that the kingdom of God is established on earth and Jesus returns right now. I mean, I'm ready for Jesus to come anytime. And even if I'm not part of the remnant, which I hope and pray that I am, but even if I'm not, the world is going to be so much better off without this corrupt evil system that I welcome the kingdom of God coming in and putting an end to the corruption and the evil. It seems like our school systems are setting up our children for failure. It seems that the modern scientific methods of farming are ultimately setting up our farms for failure. The inner cities are being set up for failure. They're bringing all of these illegals across the southern border. They're bringing them into this country to fail. They were already failing where they were. Now they're going to be herded into a a country that they don't know the language. They can't read the words. Small businesses are failing at an alarming rate. Small towns are dying at an alarming rate. And we have a bunch of third world people with no skills and no education coming in and crashing our welfare system and our medical system. So eventually I think we're going to have our 1929 type of a moment. I think it's going to crash. But I think that the change in music and the change in some of our social things that we've seen are just signs of the fact that we have entered into a new dark age. There are people out there that still believe that if we get the quote-unquote right person in the office in the White House, everything's going to change. It didn't change under Donald Trump. They wouldn't allow it to change. They gave him lip service, and from what I understand, there were a lot of orders that he gave the Pentagon that were never carried out. He was commander-in-chief in name only, but you had General Milley and all these others that were not carrying out their commander-in-chief's orders. And 
And as long as I'm talking about social decay and rot, what about our military? Our government is trying to pick a fight with Russia and China at the same time, and you might as well throw in Iran and North Korea. And our top generals are just social engineers. We don't have a George Patton in the army anymore, let alone as a general. We have these General Millies and these other people that that I don't think I would be proud to serve under because I don't think they have the best interest of my country at heart. And I certainly don't think they'd have my back as a soldier. The military is being used to be a social experiment and bring in all sorts of transgender and woke and horrible things into the military. And I'm going to tell you right now that if we go to war with Russia, and it's a kinetic war and their forces go up against our forces, I'm sure that our technology is going to make up for some of the weakness that our soldiers would have due to the wokeness. But if you want to just talk about tough soldiers slugging it out, you have a large group of Russian soldiers who are now battle-trained and battle-hardened. And the new recruits that come in have that to lean on, and they get battle-hardened a lot faster when they're with troops that are battle-hardened. They will learn. They will learn so much faster. Whereas our troops are not trained in the techniques that it would take to defeat an army like Russia. They've been trained to do third world countries and small interventions and things like that. And a full scale attack on Russia, if that would ever happen by the United States Army, I think the United States Army would be destroyed a lot faster than what the Nazi army was destroyed back in the 1940s. And so we have a horrible decay there as well. I just can't think of anything that's actually better as far as the world is concerned with all the technology and all of the things that are supposedly happening for our health and our benefit. I go back to the medical profession. I don't go to my doctor, and I'm not going to go back. The reason is is that my doctor is still giving the COVID-19 death jab and all the boosters. And so, as I asked in my show, I will ask the same question on Truth to Ponder. Is my doctor crazy, stupid, or bought off? It's got to be one of the three. Because anyone in the medical profession to honor their oath, which they don't care about, it seems, but if they want to honor their oath of at first do no harm, these doctors would be stopping all of the inoculations saying, hey, there's a problem here. There's enough evidence out there. As a matter of fact, I think it's ironclad evidence, but even if you're still skeptical of the evidence, there's enough evidence to at least call a halt to administering any more of this death jab until they can figure out definitively what it's actually doing to the human body. But you have all these people that are walking in lockstep because they're afraid to lose their medical license. And people say, well, what are you going to do without a doctor? Well, I have to say this. If my doctor is willing to harm me with this death jab, then what's the use of going? Because he recommended that I got the death jab, and I told him no. So why would I go to someone who recommended that I take this shot that could possibly harm me? To me, that means he doesn't have my best interest at heart. 
And anyone that does not have my best interest at heart, especially in the medical profession, I'm not going to go back and see. And so, yes, me personally, I'd rather take my chances with my health issues and manage them myself than to go to someone who is willing to give me a shot of something that could possibly kill me or harm me. And so when did we lose our medical profession? We've lost it. We've lost our government. We've lost the medical profession. And as far as like with the dairy farms, we've lost our ability to go out and deal with farmers one-on-one. We have the government spying on us at every opportunity. We have a government that considers anyone who's a patriot to be an enemy of the state. I really don't think that the government of the United States is legitimate, and that's just my opinion. And I really don't think that they have the best interest of keeping the United States strong and healthy. I don't think they want that at all. I think it's all geared around destruction so they can build back better. I think that is the bottom line to everything, is that these guys just want to build back better. Better for who? Well, better for them. So what can we do about this? I know I say this every time. Pray. Keep praying. Keep your eyes wide open and really see what's going on. We have a lot of people that are still living in a world that they think that things will change on their own and change back and change for the better. I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and and I wish he was right. And I'm not saying he's naive. I'm saying he's hopeful. But he said, well, maybe in 2024 they'll get everything straightened around and our votes will be counted right and it'll be a fair and honest election. And he said that after I told him that I doubted whether I was going to vote again because I was just done with this system, because I think it's just so phony. He said, well, I'd like to think it's not, so, you know, I'm going to keep voting, and I probably will vote again just for that reason, that just in case, because that's what he said, just in case they count our votes right. But what kind of a country is that? Well, it's a banana republic. It's a third world type country. We've officially become that. And so when I say, what can we do about it? I don't think we can go to the ballot box and fix anything. I think the only way our ballot box is going to fix anything is if we make sure we vote in our local elections. And that I will do because I don't think the machinery is there to steal the local elections unless you're in Philadelphia or New York City or Los Angeles or Chicago or some place that has a political machine, and they could vote in the dog catcher they wanted without anyone even casting a vote for that person in places like that. They're so corrupt. But other than praying, we have to keep things local. We have to support like-minded people. It's time that we banded together as Christian brothers and sisters to help open eyes of other fellow believers and to inform. And if we're dealing in reality and the rest of the country is dealing with fiction, ultimately, we're going to come out on top as far as being safer and maybe holding our money together or our property together in a better fashion. I really don't know what's going to cause this whole balloon that we have going to pop 
this balloon of corruption and phoniness, but it will pop. There will come a time when they could no longer prop up this whole system that they have. It's like the emperor with no clothes. You had that moment when the little boy finally pointed out for everyone to open their eyes and look. The man has no clothes. Up until that point, the king was just fine with wearing no clothing, thinking he was the best-dressed person around. But there comes that point of no return when you finally know the truth and you know what's going on. And We're fast approaching that moment with a society that they're going to finally start seeing what's going on, but it's going to be way too late for these people. They say that hindsight is twenty-twenty, and I do believe that you're going to have an awful lot of twenty-twenty hindsight with this crowd of people that are trying to prop up this new world order and prop up the way things are right now, saying, oh, yeah, they're fine. Like I hear people say, oh, yeah, Joe Biden, he's a good president. And to them, I just say, really? Name one good thing the man's done in his life. I can't. But stay in prayer. Stay hopeful. Because the Bible does point out that in the long run, we're going to be okay. In the long run, the kingdom of God will be established. No matter what these evil people do, they can remove God from the schools and they can, they can prosecute people that have faith and they can do all sorts of evil things. That still doesn't change the fact that the establishment of the kingdom of God will happen on this earth. And that is a fact. Again, I want to thank you for tuning in today. I do appreciate it. And also, if you believe in this ministry, I would ask that you do donate to keep this program on the air. And also, Bob Beerman has so many things that he would love to do, and he's in the midst of planning some very wonderful things to grow this program in the ways that God wants it to grow. And to donate, go to the website, which is truth2ponder.com, and when you get to the website, click on the support tab, and it'll lead you through how to donate through Give, Send, Go. Or if you want to send it in by mail, send a check or money order, write the check out to Ancient Word Radio. You would mail to Truth to Ponder, P.O. Box 510, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia. And the zip code is 24319. And all of your donations are greatly appreciated. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, everyone, stay in prayer. Stay safe. Keep your eyes wide open and keep your powder dry. But most important of all, replace fear with faith. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.